This is Lanny Poffo, formerly the genius of WWE, and you are listening to wrestling's first audio drama, Kings of the Ring. You are listening to the Kings of the Ring Podcast Network. Welcome to your favorite monthly wrestling soap opera. My name is Steve Tatai, the writer-director of Kings of the Ring, a fictionalized and romanticized retelling of the 1980s wrestling wars. Following the rise and fall of the power brokers of the sport, the look into the sex, drugs, and muscles lifestyle of the 80s wrestler and the sacrifices they made for success. Kings of the Ring is intended for mature audiences. Today's episode would be rated M.A. for profanity, graphic sexual situations, drug use, and violence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kings of the Ring. Oh my god, what are they doing here? The Russians and Prince Abdullah have hit the ring and are attacking the Jivetown Express, who are wrestling Cletus Huckleberry and Jamie Delgado. Dimitri and Abdullah holding Dominique Rose up, or Vladimir Cox with that huge arm back, and there's the Russian sickle. He just took his head off with that clothesline, and now, oh, come on, that's enough. Great, now they're coming over here. Prince Abdullah, you guys aren't scheduled to come out. Who do you think you are? I am Prince Abdullah. You shut up there, you filthy American swine. Pay your proper respects to the Russian Rykov and the Prince of Persia, Abdullah Akbar. I mean, I mean, what are you doing? Last week you laid old Jesse James and draped the Russian flag over him, and now this? What are you trying to prove? We do whatever we want, because we are- no. The juggernaut Vladimir Rykov grabs the microphone, almost tearing Jay Delvo's spindly old arm You listen here, Jesse James. I killed you last week. I am no champion to be. You come out and face me now. He's not here. You saw to it. We don't even know when he's going to be back. Jesse James have 30 days to defend the world title, or he forfeit champion to Vladimir Rykov. That's nonsense. They wouldn't just hand him the world championship. Hey, you shut up, Delvor, or I do to you what I did to Jesse James. Vladimir looks deep into Delvo's eyes, looks down in fear, and doesn't say a word. Then Vladimir looks back into the camera. No one in all-star wrestling is safe from the Russians. My brother Dmitri and I come to America to destroy everyone. Shatota, we don't care who you are. Jive Town, a rock and roller, a Borig, Tom Honang. We don't care. If you are Americanski, you are, uh, how you say, dead meat. We will crush everyone in our path. And I will be the new world champion and take the world title to the Kremlin. Oh, you can't. You wouldn't dare. I do what I want. Fans, we have to go. Someone get these guys out of here. Kings of the Ring, episode 43, Who's the Boss? Angel wakes up in a small hotel room, the bed close to the floor on a wooden frame. He tries to rub the hangover off his face and slowly stands as the sheet falls off his naked body, revealing his growing pot belly, clearly the worst shape of his life. Michael leaves his hotel onto the streets of Tokyo, Japan. 
with tinted glasses and a baggy white World Japan warm-up jacket, heads turn as he steps out into the marketplace to find a bowl of rice and cooked fish. In the Korakuen Hall in Tokyo, Michael grapples in the corner with Masahiro Nomura in his plain black trunks, no knee pads, and short black boots. Get off the ring. As the quiet and polite crowd watches the action, saving their energy for the most exciting parts, like watching a tennis match. Thank you, Mikasa. Michael, Michael receives his pay from World Japan president and champion, Mikasa, and bows and thanks. In a small Japanese car driven by one of his sponsors, the Japanese superfans who take care of the gaijin wrestlers like Michael in exchange for the privilege of socializing with a wrestling superstar. Another one in the back seat hands Michael an unmarked bottle of pills, warning him to not be seen. Michael's at a sake bar with some of the other wrestlers, including Tex Harper and Yosemite Smith, everyone getting drunk. A glossy-eyed Michael stumbling through the Michomei neighborhood in Shinjuku. He finds the place he's looking for, a seemingly unmarked hole-in-the-wall bar, barely the size of a studio apartment. The bartender and the five other men all stop and turn as the hulking angel stands in the doorway. Hey! Oh, come on! One of the patrons, an effeminate-looking young man, leaps out of his seat, practically into Michael's arms. In Michael's apartment, they're both naked and high. Michael having his way with him. Michael Angel wakes up in the small hotel room, the bed close to the floor on a wooden frame. He tries to rub the hangover off his face and slowly stands as the sheet falls off his naked body, revealing his growing pot belly, clearly the worst shape of his life. Backstage at the Fair Park Coliseum at the South Plains Fairgrounds in Lubbock, Texas, a starving Chris Stanley finds a quiet spot in the locker room and pulls out a white paper bag of McDonald's as cousin Gabriel Angel walks by and looks curiously at Chris, whose burger is in an extra-wide styrofoam package with the bottom half of the burger on one side and the top half with the lettuce and tomato on the other. Hey cousin, what you got there? It's a McDLT. Gabe points at the wide, flat, unusual packaging, confused. What's with the, uh, the gimmick? You see, with a McDLT, the burger's on one side and all the fixins are on the other. That way, the hot side stays hot and the cool side stays cool. Gabriel still puzzled as Chris assembles his meal. And, uh, what's the benefit of that? Well, you see, the, the reason it's better is because... I don't know. Chris looks down, defeated. Hey, uh... I've been thinking, Rick and I've been a very good cousin lately. Uh, what say you come with me and the Rebels? I'm gonna hit up a titty bar after the show. Strip club? Uh, no thanks. The last time I went with the Bruiser Brothers, those strippers ended up getting every dollar out of me I had. Yeah, them strippers are real workers, aren't they? Maybe I should become a stripper. Probably have a better time being a wrestler anyway. That's it. Uh, Chris, I was just ribbing. I don't want to be a stripper. No, 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 not you. You want to be a stripper? <laughs> Boy, Chris, I hate to break it to you, but I don't reckon any girls will pay you to take your clothes off. Maybe if you come out naked, they'll pay you to put some on, but otherwise... No, no, that's not what I meant. Dickie Wayne of the Rebels approaches. Hey, come on. 
What's this about being a stripper? Chris says he wants to be a male stripper. No, I, I don't. I, I didn't say that. That's not okay, what he said. Okay, let's see what you got. I beg your pardon? Dickie sits down in a steel chair. Come on, boy. I'm sitting here. Shake your money maker and see if you can get my heart. Twenty bucks says you can't. What? I'm not going to do that. All right, then. Fifty. I'll even get naked and make it easier for you. Dickie stands and drops his trunks around his ankles and sits back down. Uh, please don't. I'm not going to do that. I'm just trying to say... Hey, everyone gather around. Little Chris here is going to strip for me and try to get my hard for 50 bucks. Big Cooter Wayne walks over. Hey, Chris, I'll give you a hundred if you can get Dickie to come. Oh, oh God. Okay, that's enough. I'm going to barf. Chris gets up and leaves as Dickie sees the burger. Hey, one of them McDLTs. I'll take that. He takes a bite and turns to Gabriel. Aha! Keep the hot side hot and the cold side cool. <laughs> While the rest of the boys were at the gym, Corporal Punishment went off on his own to view the Bonneville Salt Flats outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. He stands on the edge, looking out at the endless, perfectly flat land that goes on for miles. He thinks back to his first day of boot camp when he was 18 uh, and the pride he felt as he saluted the American flag on the day he swore in to the United States Army. He thinks about how his father served in Korea, his grandfather in World War II, and how he had his chance and served his country until the call of the wrestling ring took him over. But he always carried that pride of military service with him in the ring. It'll be a turncoat. Julie, please. My gimmick is all I got. And my family? I wouldn't be able to look my father in the eye. My grandfather died in WW2 for this country. It's a work, Jerry. It's a fucking work. This is more money than you've ever made in your there life. Others would kill for this opportunity. You're already on thin ice. I know. I, I'm sorry, Junior. It's just, is there another way? No. He takes in a deep breath of the cold winter Utah air as he looks at the flats, a true natural wonder that brings a tear to his eye as he thinks about what a great country America is. Only in America. In the parking lot of Chicago Stadium, the Texas Outlaws, Tex Harper and Yosemite Smith, step out of their rental car, wearing red jumpsuits and cowboy hats, to show off they wrestle in Japan. Charlie Gotch and son Nellie arrive at the same time, where Nellie is all smiles greeting them. How you doing, guys? Glad you made it. Glad to be here working for your Pepe. Yosemite Smith says, his dark curly hair broken by a huge handlebar mustache over his greasy, stubbly face. As soon as Milk told us about you trying to take Julian Kane down, I said you called the right guys. I got no love for that barment. I was there on that black Saturday in Atlanta when I fired all the boys. Most low-down vile thing I ever done seen. If dicks don't like him, then I don't like him. I seen some of them matches in New York. Changing guys. Making Thor hands in a cartoon wrestling like that. I asked Thor a bunch of times in Japan. He don't do any of them moves anymore. He threw it all away. You can count on us, Mr. Gotch. Yes. Very good, boys. You see that, Nanny? That's respect. So what Julian's trying to take away from the business. <laughs> All right, guys. You're going to be working me and Milk at first. And then we got some plans. 
Gabrielle Angel and the Southern Rebels are whooping it up at the Bush Palace outside of Lubbock, which is surprisingly not nearly as classy a joint as the name would imply. Despite its name, it, it is not the true palace. It is more or less a dilapidated barbecue joint, looking a lot more like the strip bar at Corky's than a swanky playboy club. However, there is plenty of bush. The stage is covered in spilled beer and cigarette butts as one of Lubbock's finest dancers spins around with a giant forest of pubic hair swinging in front of the men's faces on chairs below her around the stage. Bikers, truckers, and small groups of guys throughout, all drunk and enjoying the show. The rebels are one of them, waving and dropping dollar bills for her, while Gabriel is watching from the bar. One of the girls walks up. You boys wanna dance? Dickie Wayne looks up and smiles, revealing his gap-toothed grin from years of wrestling. Sure leaves to a private room with the girl. Coming up next, fellas, it's Aunt Rosie. Coming down the pipe there, ladies and gentlemen. Fresh off her bus, baby. And boy, does she look good. Okay, yeah. Think that's my time to powder out, Cootie. Denny Wayne gets up and adjusts his leather vest over his Jack Daniels t-shirt and his jeans tucked into his cowboy boots and biker wallet chained to his waist. You can never be too careful. He walks towards the back and finds a Pac-Man arcade game all alone in the corner with no line. Denny's getting into it as he approaches his personal high score when he feels a whap on the back of his head. Whoa, motherfucker! Almost getting gobbled by a ghost because of this, he shouts out, Knock it off, Cooter! That was stiff! Hey, the fuck's wrong with you, boy? Then he turns around and doesn't see Cooter, but one of the bikers. He sees his wrinkled up face and scraggly beard with eyes cocked up underneath his greasy long hair. You've been on that machine long enough. This place belongs to Satan's helpers. What are your colors? The only gang I'm in is the Southern Rebels. <laughs> we ain't got no colors. Now listen the here. Rebels? Well, just wait a couple. Cooter Wayne, watching the whole thing from afar, rumbles over, gets in his face, and looms over this Let man. Dare you something, boy. The man slaps Cooter, and Denny Wayne shakes his head, knowing what's coming. The six-foot-four-inch, three-hundred-pound monster grabs the man by the lapels and throws him against the wall. Another gang member, this one bigger, runs over swinging, and Denny Wayne ducks and shoves him off into Pac-Man. We didn't want no trouble, boy. You done pesky luck! Denny, looking around, worried bikers are going to start coming out of the woodworks as his guy gets up, and he sees Cooter stop cold. Denny! You got a wooden leg! Entire gang's fixing to string us up from bike mode, and you worried about this being a fair fight? Damn it, Cooter! Get Dickie and Gabe! Let's skedaddle! As they back up, he sees Gabriel at the bar, yucking it up with a bartender and waitresses. The first guy sits up grimacing at them and reaches into his vest. Then he knows he's not reaching for his credit card to buy them a drink. Cooter, just you and me need to get the fuck out now. Denny takes off with Cooter behind him as they head for the back of the bar, just to find out the back door is locked. Move it, Denny. Cooter blasts his bull-like body through the door, and they make it to the streets to look for the way to Gabriel's car. They quickly realize they're going the wrong way and run back across the lot just in time for the wooden leg biker gang member to emerge with his pistol cocked and ready. Denny's life flashes before his eyes as he's frozen in fear and he's gonna meet his maker because some biker wanted to play Pac-Man. <laughs> he creaks open his squinted eyes. Damn it, boy, why are you laughing? Cause you missed. <laughs> Get moving, you idiot!
kings of the ring will be back after these messages. McDonald's new McDLT. It could be the best tasting lettuce and tomato hamburger ever. You get a hot side hot. You get a cool side cool. New McDLT. And the hot stays. And the cool stays. New McDLT. New McDLT. Look for your valuable McDLT coupons this week in your local paper. The food was cold, we're two hours late. So now they lose my bag and all I have to wear is a claim check. My head is splitting. I've got a headache this big and it's screaming for Excedrin. Excedrin, the headache medicine. Regular strength pain relievers give you only this much medicine. But Excedrin gives you this much more. Nothing proven stronger without a prescription. I had a headache this big, but I took Excedrin and it's gone. Excedrin from Bristol-Myers. Excedrin, the headache medicine. We now return to Kings of the Ring. In the Motel 6 in downtown Salt Lake City, the EWF wrestlers are partying it up in adjoining rooms on the second floor. One of the local girls is on the bed, with Mr. Yoshi on top of her, pounding away, her fantasy of being with the most hated villains in wrestling coming true. With the TV behind them, Chief Thunder, Tony Carlucci, and one of the Bronx Bombers are standing beside the bed watching, both naked, jerking off, waiting for Yoshi to finish so they can have their turn. The Blob is with Tall Paul in the kitchen area, cutting out lines of cocaine, while Mabutu Zulu, Tommy Aloha, and Corporal Punishment stand on the balcony in the dark, drinking beers, while Tommy finishes off the junk. These bacalolo so ono, make all da pain go away. And if the Pacololo no work, Doc Bilson got the medicine. Just look at Brother Harris. He used to be so hoo-hoo. Now all that rage, gone. Hey man to that, Tommy. Okay, enough talk story, boys. I need to find a rat. Puyensai. Anglos Pradas. I gotta ask you, Herc, I mean, Harris. I don't know if you're the first person or the last person I should talk to about this, but I need your advice. What is it, Jerry? Julian wants to push me. Like the biggest push. If it goes well, even working with Thor at Empire Mania 3. <coughs> then give me five. Kabutu holds his hand out. Jerry slaps it. Well, it comes at a price. I gotta turn heel. And worse than that, I gotta turn heel on America. Like becoming a Russian spy or some gimmick. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit indeed. Turn into a Ruski. I'm saying, whoa, shit. Because I'm happy for you. Oh. All those road buddies won't make it in New York. First it was Killian at Empire Mania. Then me at Empire Mania 2. Now it's your turn. Tommy's like uh, the best intercontinental champ in the world. Best pure wrestler in the business. He's better than Donnie Gold now. Four Musketeers. <laughs> Four Musketeers. I'm so happy for you, Jerry. That big old stadium. Yeah, but as a Russian, that stadium was where the U.S. Olympics were. Russia boycotted those games because it was America. And now that's going to be me. Fuck all that, Jerry. It's a gimmick. It don't mean shit. <coughs> you get used to it. I got all fucked up on that. Then I remember we got in this business to make money. That's why I would do what we do. Let me show you this. 
Yeah, but I served in the army. I swore an oath. Oath. Listen to yourself. That oath is a work. Everything's a work. Only one thing in this world that's a shoot is this. He pulls out the Xerox copy of the check he got after Empire Mania 2 and shows it to Corporal Punishment. Holy shit. I've never seen something in his ears. Under the Lubbock night sky, Denny aimlessly looks up, sitting on the curb, hugging himself to warm up, while Cooter finishes pissing in the bushes. Denny, I'm so tired. Can I just sleep here in this yard? Cooter, we ain't gonna have Grandma Gerda wake up for a morning paper just to look out the window and see a fringe pound redneck with his hands down his pants, passed out drooling on her begonias? Denny looks around tensing up that a gang of motorcycles will be here any minute to take them out. Instead, Gabriel Angel finally shows up. Jesus H. Christ on a popsicle stick. Where the hell you boys been? Ha ha ha, very funny, motherfucker. We've been dodging bullets all night, trying not to get killed. While you were cozying up at the bar, becoming bosom buddies with Floyd the bartender and squeezing old Flo's titties. What are you talking about? Them boys in the bush palace. That's a damn biker bar. And we trespassed on their turf. <laughs> Bullshit. Gabe, this one-legged pirate unloaded his gun on us. It's a damn miracle we ain't been dead or shot. I mean, you should have just told them you knew me. I've known these guys forever. They're wrestling fans. Probably just didn't recognize you in your street clothes. That serves you right for pissing off the corner to play pinball games when there's wall-to-wall pussy. With all due respect, Gabriel, fuck off. <laughs> all right, you boys get in the car. Got a nice surprise for you. Gabriel unlocks the back door with his keys as Cooter jumps in the back. Helper's gone fix me up with this here bag of grass. I should have some rolling papers in the glove box. Let's get on the motel. We got Amarillo tomorrow. Well now, that's the first sensible thing you said all night. The Empire Wrestling Federation has taken over Gate 23 of Salt Lake City International Airport as they await the call for boarding. Corporal Punishment in his sweatpants, EWF satin jacket, and Richard Petty baseball cap walks up to Nigel Davies and Julian Kane, and he sees they're talking rather intensely and hangs back, looking around. So what have you heard about Thor being in this Predator movie? Is it happening? Yes. According to my sources, he's lined up to audition for the part, but term as to formality. Hmm, that's what I was afraid of. Corporal, what do you want? Oh, hi, Julian. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, I can wait. What do you want? It's okay, Jerry. Julian, I'll find Thor and feel him out. Nigel walks away. Oh, yeah, Julian, uh, I wanted you to know about my family. Why? I don't care. See, my father served in the army 25 years. It was his career. He served in the Korean War, and my granddaddy died in WW2 when my daddy was a little baby. So what? I don't even know my grandfather. Can I go now? But I followed in their footsteps. Uh, I proudly served in the U.S. Army myself. Tell it to someone who cares. They're boarding. Julian sighs and looks around for an exit. Uh, no, please, Julian. I, I'm trying to explain to you why I can't do this Russian gimmick. I can turn him. I can abandon the Patriot gimmick. But I can't betray the country like that, even if it's a work. Julian stops and looks at him. You're serious, aren't you? Dead serious, sir. I can do anything, and I mean anything. But I can't portray a, a communist. I still have a life to live. I'm begging you for anything else. That's fine, Jerry. It was worth a try. I knew it was a long shot that you'd do this. 
and I meant what I said about building the Thor down the line and maybe even Empire Mania 3. That was a total shoot. I want you to know that. I appreciate it, Julian. And understand, if you don't want to give me that big push anymore, uh, I just want to thank you and I'll let you get on board and I'll see you in Phoenix. Are you kidding me? Um, beg your pardon? Jerry, I've been putting up with your bullshit for two years. You're the most selfish wrestler I've ever dealt with. And lately, that covers a lot of fucking guys. But you are the dirt worst. This Russian gimmick was your last chance. You're fired. Wait, wait, what? Fuck off, Jerry. You're an insult to the boys and the profession. And you're not getting on this fucking plane. Uh, wait, please, Julie. Uh, can we talk about this? Fuck off, Corporal Punishment. You're finished. Get out of here now. This plane is for EWF wrestlers only, which no longer includes you. As the wrestlers in the office of Buddy Melrose and Louis Creek start to line up to get on board, they're watching the entire thing, stunned in silence, as Corporal Punishment, with tears in his eyes, turns around and walks off. With fire in his eyes, Julian turns to the boys. Do you know what we're doing here in the Empire? We're making fucking millionaires! Thor Hansen is a fucking millionaire! Killian Kavanaugh is a fucking millionaire! Mobutu fucking Zulu is a fucking millionaire! If you don't want to be a fucking millionaire, if you don't want to be the biggest fucking star on this planet, then get the fuck off my plane! Are there any takers? Julian looks everyone in the eye as they're all shocked to do or say anything. Buddy looks down in frustration, shaking his head. It's what I thought. Now when me or Louie or any of my fucking stooges tell you what to do, you fucking do it. Got it? Everyone get aboard the millionaire jet and shut the fuck up. Benny driving and Gabriel rolling up another joint in the passenger seat, Cooter Wayne is fast asleep in the back, while Gabriel Angel and the leader of the Southern Rebels are stoned. I'm like, why are you laughing, Cooter? And he said, cause he missed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Cooter. Oh, oh, fucker. Oh, shit. That sounds just like Clovis. Well, I don't know, Gabe. Why don't you ask it to say it again? Oh, come on, man, I'm serious. There ain't no Clovis in Texas. Oh, who can say? Texas is a big place, after all. They pass another sign. Oh, shit. We're in New Mexico. You took the wrong turn, amigo. Why didn't you tell me? I haven't driven to Texas for years. You live here, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, no. Turn us around, turn us around. We can get on to 60. It ain't that bad. With no other cars, Denny slams the brakes on and spins their car around. Wee-hee! You looking at the real Dukes of Hazard, baby? Yeah! Call me Bo Duke, I... <laughs> No, I'm Bo, because I got the dark hair. Luke has the dark hair, not Bo. See, that's where you're mistaken, my friend. Give me that. <sighs> Tom Wopat is Luke. That's the blonde hair. Which is why it's you. Danny, I think you got your dukes mixed up. Do I? John Schneider has the blonde hair. No, he don't. Tom Wopat has the blonde hair. I even have his album. What album? You know, uh, Don't Give Up On This Baby. It was on the radio and everything. <coughs> Danny, you're too damn high. 
That's Starsky and Hutch. Whoops. I am fucked up. <laughs> Passes the joint back to Gabriel. They are Cheech and Chong, my friend. Gooder, quit snorting your damn line. Oh, shit. Cops. Not now. Can we outrun them? Uh, no. Fuck. Did y'all throw the grass out the window? Too late for that, my friend. He's right on us. You'll see it, and that'll only make it worse. Yeah, yeah, um, just pull over, and I'll tell him to call the sheriff. Tell him who my daddy is. Okay, uh, they get all south of New Mexico? Who cares if they... Oh, shit, we're in New Mexico. He puts his hand over his face and stretches his lip down as he looks at Denny. All right, let me handle this. As a Latino police officer in his New Mexico uniform walks up, Denny rolls the window down as a wave of smoke billows out of the windows. It's like you boys been smoking some reefer. What's that, sir? Uh, my friends and I have a horrible cigarette habit. We're just so desperately trying to quit. Sure you do. License and registration. Well, officer, if you shine that flashlight on my smiling face, you should be able to recognize me. Nope. License and registration. He shines the light in the back. Hey, you, big boy, get up. Well, you see, officer, we are professional wrestlers. The only wrestler I know is a lobo. Are either of you a lobo? Uh, Why, no, sir, but we have all wrestled Mr. Lobo on several occasions. A quality athlete, if there ever was one. Uh, Maybe you could uh, give him a call and he can tell you all about it. He'll tell you. We are the Southern Rebels. I'm Denny Wayne. That's Cooter snoozing in the back. And right here is... I don't care who you are, because you're all under arrest. Now step out of the vehicle with your hands up, because soon enough, everyone's going to know who you are. A group of SCW guys are at a Waffle House in Savannah, Georgia at around 2 a.m. Barry Lovelace is in a booth with the executioners while Dominique Rose of the Jivetown Express is flirting with the waitress at the counter, trying to talk her into giving him a free dessert. Pretty boy Willie Dean steps out of the men's room and walks by referee John Silver, Jesse James, and Daniel Hawkins in their own booth. Jesse James, you see the match we had with the Jivetowns tonight? Sure did, pretty boy. Ain't the least bit surprised you and Kenny West, y'all were good together. Good? We're smoother than silk out there, brother. Indeed. Danny boy, you see the Jive Towns match tonight? Uh, no, I missed it. How'd you like to keep it going for the Carolina swing? Sign me up, boss. See what we can do. All right. I'm gonna go back with the job squad in the corner. <laughs> I'm fucking starving. You deserve yourself a big old stick, Willie. Willie Dean walks back to Barry Lovelace and the executioners, while Daniel looks around awkwardly and turns to the referee, John Silver. Um, John, do you want to join Willie? Huh? No, I want to eat. Why don't you go anyway? Huh? I want to talk to Jesse alone. Okay, baby. Just go fuck off. Okay. What are they? Something on your mind, Danny boy. Yeah, um, I need to talk to you about something. The waitress stops by and refills their coffee. Sure thing, boss. Uh, Evening, sweetheart. Uh, Now let me get a side order of hash. Thank you, darling. I don't know how to say this, but, um... I've been thinking, and I don't want to put the belt on Vladimir anymore. What? Well, I just, I don't like the idea anymore. Danny boy, the train's already left the station. I talked to Vladimir already, and we set it up with an angle last week with the flag. It's me and him. 
I mean, this belt's like a noose around my neck. Uh, I gotta get rid of. <laughs> it's not my fault you have a big mouth and told Vladimir. Beg your pardon? I mean, uh, how about someone else? Vladimir's too green. I know it's green, but we can work with him. Remember, we talked about this. Uh, we need to shake things up if I you don't want Vladimir. I don't want to do it. <laughs> then who? Donnie ain't ready to be champ, and the only other guys are just as green as Vladimir, and we ain't gonna put the belt in all south of AMW. That'd be suicide for us. What about Barry Lovelace? Yeah, that'd be good for a rip. Anyway, anyone else needs to be groomed and built up over time, because we ain't gonna go the brutal Bob direction either. Crusher had his day. I mean it. Barry Lovelace. Come on, Danny boy. Quit yanking my chain. He's a glorified jobber. He can't even fit that belt around his waist. He's a gimmick. And the World Wrestling Alliance Championship ain't built around gimmicks like that. You gotta carry the whole alliance. Well, maybe time's changed. I think it should go on very lovely. Now listen. Everybody in the business knows I'm the booker here. And I'm not gonna have it stamped on the territory that I made him world champion. You're not making him world champion. I am. Well, I'm the booker. <laughs> I'm the owner. Now, Daniel, when I first showed up at your doorstep almost two years ago, I made a deal with you and a promise to make your territory hotter than it ever was and to take us national. But I had to be running what goes on in that ring. Full power of the pencil. Don't make me pull rank. Jesse stares at him. Where's this coming from? Why the fixation with beautiful Barry? Is this some kind of punishment? You read some new magazine blaming me for Jimmy Buck? You starting to believe what those people say? That his suicide is my fault? Is that what this is? I know you didn't kill him. But you fucked up Jesse. It's 100% real. You fucked up the world title. You fucked up SCW. You fucked up all our plans. You owe me after how 1985 ended. Your judgment is in question. Now, now you can subscribe any reason you want, but you are going to put beautiful Barry Lovelace over. I don't care what kind of school job finish you want. I don't care which town it happens. I don't even care if you win it back a week later, but you are going to wrestle Barry Lovelace. And when that match is done, he is going to be the new world heavyweight champion. Jesse's eyes water as he looks at Daniel incredulously. I don't believe this. What's happening? Jesse, say it. Say you will make Barry the world champion. I don't... Why? It, it can't be. Daniel stands and points in Jesse's face. This is my company. What I say goes. And if you can't follow a simple order, then I think we need to reevaluate who's got the pencil around here. And after the bridges you burned throughout this entire business, Working for me is the only place you got. Now do it. Oh, Dan, what are you doing? Today's episode had two deleted scenes, Jesse James letting Willie Dean know his plans for him, and Thor's tense conversation with Nigel Davies, letting him know his status for Predator and as the world champion. Now, if you heard that, then you're listening to the extended edition of King to the Ring. If not, and you're listening to the wide-release version, then we invite you to become a patron of Kings of the Ring at patreon.com slash kingsotr. 
Our patrons have access to the full extended versions of the entire run of the series, which are released on the 15th of every month, a full two weeks before the wide release version. But you'll also get access to Breaking Kayfabe, the exclusive podcast series that breaks down each episode with analysis and director's commentary, but also an explanation for the litany of Easter eggs and references from each episode. Hey, and uh, don't forget to check the Patreon page to see exactly what you get, but also to vote for your favorite scene and shape future episodes because of it with your direct feedback. And thank you to all of our guest voice actors to this point, including L.A. Smooth of the Samoan Dynasty, Cyrus Fees from the UFC, Evan Ginsberg, associate producer of The Wrestler in 350 Days, RJ City from AEW, and our newest, the late, great, Lainey Poffo. And thanks to all of you for listening to truly the most unique series in wrestling and audio drama. <laughs>